Well, praise the Lord. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning and you'd like to turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in the 36th verse of Luke chapter 7. It said, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when, he, she, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment. Now when the Pharisees would... The Pharisee, which had been bidden him, saw it. He spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he that to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word today. I pray that we would open our hearts and our minds to be able to receive of your word because we know that today, we are in your presence and that God, we must listen to the word that you speak to us. And we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. How many knows the scripture tells us in Luke nineteen ten it says for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ came to save those that are lost. He came not without purpose in his life. He knew what his purpose was. And when we look at this account, you know, we are entering into a Christmas season. We've actually already began the holidays. We call them holidays. And 
I know a lot of people don't like to use that word holidays, but actually it mean, it, the beginning of the meaning of that is holy days. And so we are, we start with Thanksgiving and we have our dinners and we have the, our, our uh, get-togethers. And then at Christmas we will all have our get-togethers again and there's, that's all good. But you know, I was praying the other day, and that was before I even really knew that I was going to preach this message, and I felt like the the Lord looks at our, this time, and I wonder how much of it we spend focusing upon Him and what it's all about. Christmas is about Christ coming. It's about the birth of the Christ, which is the Messiah. It's about the beginning of a new time, a new, actually a new dispensation that He was coming and giving His grace. And you see, the the world at that time and the religious world at that time and the Jews especially, they did not understand that. And Simon had invited Jesus to come. And as he invited him to come, I, I really don't know what his, uh, what his motive was for inviting him. Whether it was just he knew that he was a good teacher or that he was one that could, that it would make him be more higher on the, on the social standing because he invited Jesus to come in. Because at this time, you know, there, there are, are actually four accounts of this, four accounts similar, I should say, to this. Two of these accounts of, of Jesus being anointed was, was two separate accounts and then two are, are together, which, which actually there are three accounts of this happening in the Scriptures. One was with Mary and this woman, we really don't know who she is. And it really makes no difference. We do know some things about her. We know that the the scripture says that she was a sinner. It says that, that Jesus recognized that and so did Simon. And Simon, when she came into the dinner, she was not invited, I'm sure. And when she came in, Simon knew who she was, probably because he had, uh, she had you know, a reputation. Everybody knew her and knew who she was. And he thought that Jesus didn't recognize that. And see, he invited Jesus to come. But he really didn't recognize him. He really didn't recognize him for who he was. The Pharisees were a very pious group of people and they, uh, they actually was, was good at looking down their nose at other people and condemning them uh, that they were not as good as what they were and that, that uh, you know, if you would just adhere more to the law... And, and do like they did and become part of, of their group, then you would be in better standing with God. And that was the way the Pharisees thought. And the, here comes Jesus in and 
You see, Simon didn't have the, the, the courtesy of even, because in, in that day, we thought, well, did, did he expect him to wash his feet? Well, in, in that day, it was common. You see, they, they didn't have roads and things like we do right now. And they actually wore sandals and their feet would get dirty because just walking down the road, it, it would get dirty. You know how many of you have been out maybe on, on camping or you were camping and, and you put on sandals and you walk down to the beach. What happens to your feet? They get dirty. As a matter of fact, if you go to the beach, they even have a place where you can wash your, your feet off and to get the sand off of your feet. And so in that day, it was customary that, that they would do that. As a matter of fact, it was customary, especially at, at, at feasts and things like that and dinners that they would have at weddings. Jesus, Jesus at, at one get-together. You know, Jesus, if you study this, Jesus spent a lot of time in get-togethers. No wonder the church has so many socials. <laughs> it started with Jesus. He was always going to a dinner someplace. Why? Because a lot of people wanted to hear his teachings. A lot of people wanted to know him. They wanted to know who he was. They wanted to know this man that raised the dead, opened the blinded eyes, caused the lame to walk. Come on. The one that was able to walk on water. The one that was able to say, drop down your nets and you'll, and you'll receive fish. This is the guy that they wanted to see because everybody had reported that. And they wanted to, to know what it was that he had to say. Amen. You see, Jesus could have been the most popular person in Jerusalem. But you see, he didn't come to be popular. He came to speak the word of God. Amen. And he used this, this day that he was at this get-together to point out something. Because you see, Simon was really not a very good host. And I wonder how many of us at this time of the year, we make sure we want to be a good host. Especially if you're going to have Christmas dinner at, at your house, you want to be a good host. Don't you? You want to make sure that everything is right. You want to make sure that the, the food is right. The food is, is, is going to be good. And that everybody that says that they're bringing the right amount of food, they bring what it is that they said so that there will be just the right amount of food and that, uh, that, that everything else will be, be taken care of, that there will be a place for the kids to go and play and there will be a place that, that people can sit and talk. There will be a place where some people can go and sit and watch the, the football game if they want to. Uh, we want to be good hosts and make sure that everything is taken care of, everything is clean and everything is spotless and that, that guests can come into our home. And we, there's, there, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that because we should be a good host. But sometimes we become like Mary and Martha. And Martha was so concerned that everything else was taken care of. And let me tell you, though it's good to have people that are concerned about making sure that everything is taken care of. But Jesus said, he said, Mary, Mary, you... you you worry about so many things. But Mary, I got that mixed up, didn't I? But Mary has chosen the best thing. And that was that she 
sit at the feet of Jesus to yeah. hear what it was that he had to say. Yeah. And I would challenge you at this season that we're approaching in, instead of all the concern that you have that everything else is right, is make sure that you take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because those that sit at the feet of Jesus are the one that's going to receive the blessing. Yes, yes. And those that put on parties like Simon did will actually receive nothing but a scorn. Jesus said in verse 36, It says, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And even though Jesus was invited, his feet was not washed. He did not put oil, which was customary at that, at that time, that they would provide ointment oil that they would be able to put upon their hair so that they could freshen up. Don't you do that for someone that would come to your house and they'd been traveling maybe for 600 miles. He would say, you can go in and freshen up. He didn't allow him that. Didn't allow him to greet him with a kiss, which was customary in that day. It even is today in, in many places. You know, I, I know some Italian people, and let me tell you, that's, that's their customary. You come in, and it's woom, woom. Look out, here it comes. But Jesus recognized that he didn't do any of that. But yet he was looking for the fault of another. And how many times do we in our smug arrogance look at ourselves and think that we're all right and we look at everybody else and we say, well, I, look, at, look at what the, you know, and, and it wasn't that he was just looking at the woman and realizing that she was a sinner, but he was looking, thinking that Jesus was a prophet and he said, Jesus certainly is not a prophet because he would have known that this woman was a sinner. Now, the truth of all of this is, is that Jesus knew that she was a sinner. But he also knew what Simon was thinking. Yes. And I'm sure it shocked Simon when he said, Simon, Simon. He said, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Thinking that he was going to say something that was really, really deep. Some of the mysteries of God. And, you know, aren't that, that, that's the way a lot of us are. We want to know the deep things of God. But yet we miss the fundamentals of, of what Jesus has taught us. The truth. We miss the fundamentals of what Jesus has taught us. And, and he said, okay, Master, say on. You must have a good word for me. 
I'll tell you, there's a lot of the church, that's what they're waiting on. I, I wish someone would have a word for me. I had a pastor years ago who told me that. He said, well, he said, every service, do you have a, a word for all your people? And I said, no, I really don't. I preach to them, but I don't have a specific personal word for everyone. Oh, he said, I have a word for every person in my church. Every Sunday, they all come up and I give them a word. And I said, wow. Even Jesus didn't do that. And I got news for you. I don't have to give you a personal word every Sunday morning, amen? Right. Because Jesus can give you a personal word every day. Yes. You see, that builds dependence upon who I am and not what you what your what is available to you. That's the reason why one whole denomination has been built on, on nothing more. And they don't want you to read the Word of God. They want us to, they, they say, we will translate the Word for you. Don't, don't you bother with it because you can't handle it. Right. Let us tell you what it says. You always know you're in trouble when they say you don't know what it says. Let me translate to you what it says. That's the reason why they hated William Tyndale. He's the one to translate the Bible. And they said, no, 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 don't translate the Bible. We don't want more of the Bible. We don't want it to be held in, the, in, in people's hands. See, because people want a word from God, but let me tell you something. Jesus said that, that, that the greatest commandment is what? To love. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus practiced that every place he went. And Jesus had always had his eyes looking for those that needed him. He came for those that were spiritually sick. Although he, he healed the, those that were, were sick physically with infirmities, he also was the one that came to forgive sins. Now this created a big problem for the Jews because they didn't recognize Him as the Messiah and they didn't recognize Him as the one that could forgive sins. Jesus said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And He said, there is a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. One owed 500 and the other 50. One was a large amount and the other was a small amount. I've got good news for you today. No matter what it is that you did in your life, God has enough grace and God has enough forgiveness to forgive you of all of your sins and all of your transgressions and all of your iniquities. God has enough grace to cover all of those. And so he, he gives this illustration of debtors and he said one owed, a, one owed a big debt and the other owed not, not so much. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Then he said, tell me therefore, which of them will love the most? Which of them will love the most? You know... I hate to say this, but sometimes some of the best Christians that have walked in a closer walk with the Lord 
have been those that have really experienced the other side and the depths of it. You don't have to go there. You don't have to be in that. But when you really understand what it is that God saved you out of, when you really understand what God brought you out of, that He really brought you out of the miry clay, And it doesn't have to be that, that you were a drug addict or an alcoholic or, uh, you know, you, you could have been really steeped in a lot of sin and not had anything to do with any of those things. You could have been filled with rage or filled with hatred or filled with, because let me tell you something, those things will get a hold of you just like alcohol and, and drugs will. As a matter of fact, I believe they're more potent. Maybe you're, you've been bound up with religion. And I know no one here has, has experienced that. You know, probably one of you people out on Facebook, right? <laughs> bound up with religion. Come on. Because I'm going to tell you today that religion will bind you. Simon was bound with yes. religion. Yes. Because he looked at this woman and he said, don't you know that she's a sinner and, and you're allowing her to come around you? You're allowing her to be even be in your presence. Amen. You see, religion will bind you to this just as much as any alcohol or any drug. And let me tell you, I've, I've been around a lot of religious zealots in my life. And I'll tell you, I would probably rather be around a noted sinner any day than I would be a religious zealot. Come on, it's true. Because the religious zealot is always looking down their nose at everybody else and always looking at the things in everybody else's life. And I, let me tell you something, it's always easier to see the fault in someone else's life than our own. That's true. Amen. And Jesus said, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, who loved the most? The one that was 50 or the one that was 500? And he said, I suppose he that whom he forgave the most. And he said unto them, thou hast rightly judged. You've made a good judgment there. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman I entered into thine house? Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. She didn't, she didn't only wash his feet, but she, she was crying. And with the tears, she began to wash her feet with, his hair, with her hair. He said, Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my, my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. You see, she loved Jesus and came to him and the way Christ wants all of us to come to Him. 
And even though she wasn't invited to this, Jesus is calling all. Jesus has an invitation for all. And at Christmas time, that should be an invitation for all that, that they come to know who the Christ child is. She came humbly. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. God resisteth the proud. You know, our Sunday school lesson was, was talking about being, putting on the armor of God. If you have pride in your life, you'll be mortally wounded. Pride has destroyed more people. And the enemy knows that. And where does the enemy come to attack you? He comes to attack you in the pride of life that you have. And he knows what that is because he studied you for the, the whole amount of time you've lived on the face of this earth. He knows who you are. And he knows where your pride is at. He knew that even the garden would, would, would look and, and when, he, when the, the, the devil said, God just doesn't want you to be like him. And all of a sudden pride rose up in Eve and she said, you're right. You're right. God is just withholding from me. Think of that. Every tree that was in the garden of Eden, she could have partaken of the Garden of Eden was a good, it was a place where, where it, it was luscious. Everything she wanted, but one tree. And you see, God gives us a choice. And pride every time will cause you to make the wrong choice. Pride every time will cause you to make the wrong choice. That's why... When the devil told Jesus, he said, look, you can have all of this. If you just fall down and worship me. No. No. She came to Jesus humbly. She knew who she was. She knew who she was. But she came she came in a spirit of repentance. And you know, that's something we don't talk about much in the church anymore. We don't talk much about repentance, but she came with a repentant spirit. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 20 says, Surely as a wife treacherously departed from her husband, so hath he dealt treacherously with me. The word of God that came to Jeremiah said, just as a, as a wife would leave her husband for no reason, that's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, that would leave for no reason. Oh, he said, Israel, that's who you are. Oh, house of Israel, saith the Lord, a voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way. And they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return you backsliding children and I will heal your backslidings. Behold we come unto thee for thou art the Lord our God. Yes. <clears throat> Jeremiah said if you would just but come and repent for your backslidings. 
and turn to me. I will, I will heal you. I will deliver you. But when we come to God, we must come with a repentant heart that we look to Him and, and realize that, that, that even though we fall short, we serve a God that is able to forgive all of that. And she came knowing that that was what she was in need of. And she came with that repentant heart. And she showed that she loved him. As she began to weep over him. And to kiss his feet. You see, a lot of people are all right. As long as everything goes their way and everybody tells them just the thing that they want to hear. And that's what Simon was wanting to hear as he said, say on. I think he has something good to say about me. You know, I heard someone give a testimony one time about their their child. They watched him out the back door. And there was a dog in the back door. It was a stray dog. And while their son was out there stroking that dog, that dog was just loving it. And he was petting that dog. And that dog was just just loving how how that little boy was stroking it. And every time he would stop, that dog would bare its teeth at him. And she knew she had to go out and do something quick. And so he kept stroking it. And you see, there are a lot of people like that in their lives. As long as somebody's stroking them the right way, they're happy. As long as life is going their way, then everything is all right. That's good preaching. They have friends that are like that that can stroke them the right way and keep them going the right way and to keep everything... You know, how many times you've heard, and especially this season, when, when brother so-and-so or when uncle so-and-so comes, don't mention this. <laughs> or maybe you've been in that situation where somebody brings something up and you're like... And it's on. Sometimes Christian people are like that. They're all right as long as they're they're stroked right. But when it starts to run against them, or when you quit doing that, then you really see their teeth. This woman loved Jesus and kissed him. And stayed at his feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, he said that we are to love. Well, let's, let's look at that, what it says. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. I want you to think about that for a moment. Are you a child of God today? In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Wow. 
That's, that's some hardcore teaching right there, isn't it? For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was the wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Where does love start? I'm going to tell you something, Christian. Love should start in the house of God. Amen. You know how I knew one way that I, that I was really saved? And that was before I got saved. There were a lot of people, as a matter of fact, most people I really didn't like. And I, I usually looked at Christian people and I thought, well, they're just a bunch of old fuddy-duddies. And, 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 you know, I thought, well, that's the way you get when you get older. You just want to go to church, I guess, and just want to do that stuff. But all of a sudden I got saved and you know what? I began to love everybody that loved Jesus. I didn't know that there were some of them that wouldn't love me back. You never realize that when you first get saved, do you? But there are still some Christians that are on their way in this. And really have never came to the place where they realize that God is a God of love and that I must love. I'm going to tell you that's one of the most difficult things for us is because we are not born into this world with that agape love. We come with a love for the world. That's what we have. He said, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow. If you hate your brother, and Jesus taught this same thing. This wasn't a new revelation with John. He got this from Jesus. He that hateth his, for whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath, listen closely, hath eternal life abiding in him. So don't stand up and sing, I'll fly away. And in the next sentence, condemn your brother or your sister. James said that ought not be. That's what he said. James said that ought not to be because if there's a well, that well, that spring, it should be clear. It should not have any kind of obstacles in it, anything that taints it, because it will ruin what, what's coming up. And as a, as a born-again Christian, those things that comes out of our well should be pure. That's speaking of the love of God. Marvel not. My brethren, if the world hate you. Because I'm going to tell you something. You would think that the world would, would you know, love you because of that, but they don't. Because we speak truth. I don't get up here and, and preach against sin 
Because I hate people. I don't, I don't preach against homosexuality because I hate homosexuals, because I don't. I, I, I would it be to God that this place was full of born-again people that have been saved and delivered. Because I'm going to tell you something, God can deliver you. But you see, the world has said, well, that's hate. No, that's not. That's love, because I know one thing. That any kind of perversion is not going to enter the kingdom of God. You see, real love tells the truth. Real love is honest. Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That, that's pretty strong words. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are, the, are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul. And if, as we love the Lord, we show that love just as the woman that came to the dinner. And she showed her love for Jesus. She showed her love because of what? She came and she served the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works. What, what is it that we should do for the brethren? We should provoke them to love and provoke them to do good works. Provoke them to love and to provoke them to do good works. But if you don't, the Lord says, you'll have none of me and you'll have none of the kingdom because God is love. And the world and, the, and religion, they don't understand that. They don't understand that. And they're always looking, always looking for forgiveness, but never willing to forgive. Simon was willing to accept from Jesus a blessing. But he wasn't willing to forgive a sinner. Jesus looked at Simon and said, you don't understand, but this woman does. And he said, by it, your sins are forgiven. Yes. And you have peace. See, Jesus is peace. Amen. And if you're here today and you don't have that peace, you can have that peace. Yes. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter. If you come to the feet of Jesus, not the feet of a church, not the feet of a denomination, not the, the feet of, of some preacher someplace, but that you come to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, today I come to you. 
And I repent of my sins. And I fall at your feet. We're going to pray right now. And if you've never done that, you can bow your head right now and bow your head with all of us that are in this auditorium today. And I believe there's people on Facebook today that right now they're bowing their head and they're going to pray this with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today as that woman. Lord, she was a sinner. And God, we bow our knees before you today. God, God, we are in need of you. Oh, Lord, we love you. And we repent of sin today. Cleanse us today. Cleanse us today. And we will be made whole. And God is making many of you whole right now. Many of you are becoming whole right now. Some of you sitting right there today. God has touched you. And God has touched your heart today. And you've been transformed. By the love of Jesus. Oh God, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. And we give you the glory. We have the opportunity to come into your presence. We have the opportunity to come and we know that we are invited and that you invite us to come and dine with you. And that God, we truly, we truly are in a season that we are going to spend it with you, Lord. To spend this time knowing that you have forgiven us of our sins and you have made us the righteousness of God. And we thank you. Amen. 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 We thank you for watching today and we will see you Wednesday night. I want to make one more Well, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight. Oh, I got testimony. Okay. I spent the day crying for joy and crying for sadness. And I don't know if I can tell this and keep it straight so that you'll understand. But this concerns three different families. My sister and brother-in-law in Arizona, my sister in California, and my daughter in Caledonia. This concerns them all. My brother-in-law and sister in, uh, where are they? Arizona. Arizona. They, had COVID, they had COVID very bad. I don't know if they're gonna make it. My brother-in-law has a, a part of his heart missing, so he's very, very bad. My sister's bad. But anyhow, this sister got mad at the sister in California four years ago. And she's holding a grudge against her. And I told my sister, you can't make it to heaven. You've got to ask for forgiveness. And so I, I pray that, that somehow somebody in that hospital 